Let me close my door a little better since the baby's here. Tell that baby to shut its mouth. <laughs> He's just sad because his grandma put him down. Your grandma be- shouldn't be putting down babies. That's really rude. Everyone, welcome to Trash Brick Ratio. It is uh, the Ides of March. I'm told those are significant for something. Uh, probably. Uh, I've heard. But everyone's here to whom, talk about it. Whom do we revolt against for this podcast if we do want to do like some Julius Caesar reenactment or cosplay? As for... <laughs> I guess me? Oh, I guess good. Me. I guess I'm the. I guess by being the host, I am the person who is volunteering to be stabbed in the back. J.J. Abrams. I nominate. <laughs> I nominate J.J. Abrams. To be stabbed? Oh, yes. It's been a really long time since I've read that. High school. Read, read what? Julius Caesar. I thought there was like a specific joke about J.J. Abrams being stabbed. <laughs> Jackson, <laughs> you, haven't time? you read Julius Caesar? No, J.J. Abrams I, gets stabbed. I what Julius Caesar is. I just didn't know that J- if J.J. Abrams was a specific reference to something else. Anyway, Destiny's here. I like J.J. Abrams and I'm Destiny. <laughs> Kyle's here. I am a J.J. Abrams agnostic. And M's here. Brutus loves Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's garbage. That's a garbage I've movie. I've never seen it. I like the first one. Oh, have you not seen Mission Impossible 2? No, we watched well, the first one and then that was it. Because then that new the, movie came out and we didn't go see it. I saw mm. the third one in the theater. I watched the third one for the first time. And I'm not sure whether it was because I was sick or that the movie was bad, but I fell asleep sitting up. It's bad. The movie Aww. is bad. <laughs> it's both. both. But uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is great in it. Yeah. But it is bad. I don't, you see, I am very confused as to like why... They keep making Mission Impossible movies because, like, in comparison to James Bond, he has even less of a reason to exist. So, like, oh, he, hey, so Tom, hey. Gru- Tom Cruise is really rich, and those movies make a lot of money. But guess what, guys? Hey, I I googled it, and I have Mission Impossible. I've never seen Mission Impossible three. Mission Impossible two, I saw in the theater before I saw Mission Impossible one. The, the the one with the, the long hair. Long hair. That's how long hair is dubs. It's like a bad face off. The, the, the uh, cigar cutter scene. Doesn't even have the best motorcycle jousting in cinema. No. no. Not even close. No, torque exists. Torque, torque renders the ridiculousness of the motorcycle joust inert. Uh, torque renders a lot of other films inert, to be fair. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, my response to Kyle in terms of what Mission Impossible is is uh, I really enjoy that it's a um, like weird action movie template that has spawned five completely different styles. 
it's like Mission Impossible is similar to like Alien in that all of the movies are very different movies from very distinct directors. Okay. Um, and that's what I enjoy about it. That's why one of the things I'm the most disappointed by is that uh, the guy who made five is returning for six. Because you don't, don't ha- may have the same guy make a Mission Impossible movie twice in a row. I would rather helpful. have Brad Bird. I mean, he's already done it. He's done it. It was great. I know. I um, liked his the best. <clears throat> I think it's uh, yeah. um, Herzog. Oh, please, please get Von Herzog. He was in Ghost Protocol, wasn't he? Was no, he just... was in Jack Reacher. Oh, right. I, I forgot that movie happened. I can't tell any of these movies apart I'm, anymore. I'm, right, they're all I starting mean, to blend together. Your argument, Jackson, could technically be applied to the James Bond franchise, because even though they were returning directors, um, the films are, although they have similarly the same template, they are different in that they are reflective of a very specific idea to which it was to which that film was replying to. So like Live and Let Dies, Black Exploitation, Moonrakers, Star Wars, um Octopuses, sure, like, object- that. like that's that's true, but why like there can be more than just James Bond that does that. No, I'm not I'm not saying that there can't be more. I'm just saying like I don't I still don't really understand why Mission Impossible continues to be made when it, it's more like I understand monetarily and economically why they are made, but logistically in my head, if James Bond doesn't really have any reason to exist in this world, um, then Ethan Hutt does not have any, a reason in my head space to exist. I mean, in this I don't world. agree with the idea that James Bond doesn't have a place in our cinemas and our hearts in 2016. I don't disagree with that. Just as a contemporary figure fighting against contemporary socio-economic or socio-political ideology within those films, which they are reconciling with, which Mission I, Impossible is not. I, I just think the the Mission Impossible is a far uh, broader template than James Bond. James Bond is a character with a viewpoint, and uh, even though the world around James Bond changes, like a lot of those films are about navigating James Bond place in a changing world. Whereas Ethan yes. Hunt barely exists as a person. Like he gets Wouldn't very that upset. Make movies worse. No, but it is like it is the broadest template of like an, a spy film formula onto which different directors place their takes. Like and just the, you're the, bringing um, that up. Sorry. Ghost Ghost Protocol, which is the one like you super like, and I love it. I love it too. Uh, is like the barest minimum of plot and character work. It is just four set pieces in a row. Like those could all of the set pieces could just be short films, and it'd be fine. Um, yes, there's, but there's no, there's no economics to, that support that. No, like in so they, like you can people are going to make this kind of movie, and it's going to make more money if they attach a name and a face that people recognize to it. So that's what happens, for better or worse. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. That's my defense of Mission Impossible, <clears throat> I guess. Um, but who's seen the movie? Uh, you, yours doesn't have to be Mission Impossible 3, Kyle, unless we're out of time, in which case it does. <laughs> it is not. It is not. Mine, okay. mine is Deadpool. Oh, hey, I, I still Deadpool. haven't seen that. How have I not seen Deadpool yet? Because you've been busy. very busy. Garbage. <laughs> You know, I'm ready to find out on my own terms. So everybody I know liked it, except for like two of my friends. Well, you're my second friend to dislike it. So uh, I'm excited to see it for myself so I can talk to y'alls about it. Mm-hmm. We'll be broad then in our takes because we don't want to 
Huh? The trailer looked really tryhardy, so I assume that didn't really <laughs> stop for some of y'all. <clears throat> it uh, is my my evaluation of Deadpool, which I said in my little tweet review, was that it is as transgressive as the Oscars were this year, which is to say that they were not very transgressive at all. Um, they having to work within a particular framework or milieu. Um, I guess they sometimes tried their best to their disadvantage almost because I guess in its desire to be transgressive of a, comp- of a total model and framework, um, they were not because it's still this, it's still a superhero movie that it is adhering to the same kind of structure that is adhering to the same kind of ideology. So it's really just this movie that winks at itself for 148 minutes 148, I mean an hour and 48 minutes. Felt like 148 minutes. <laughs> <clears throat> and then it doesn't really do with any of the things that it's pointing out. It's just pointing them out over and over again. And mon- many of the jokes in the movie are not really jokes, but kind of Big Bang Theory-esque references, which you're supposed to laugh at. Um, so, yeah, I... I thought it was a lot more interesting than I expected it to be, but it was also exactly what I expected it to be. And I did not pay to see this movie. I will, I will be very, very open that I saw this on a date. Um, so, and the only reason why I allowed this to happen was because he was paying. You allowed yeah. it to happen. <laughs> yes, because there was nothing else playing, and also he was paying, which rhymes. I like that. Good rhyme. Yeah, so, so my question... Oh, go ahead. No, go on, go on. Okay, my question for you is, why does a, this movie, like, have the... Like, why do you have the expectation that it has to be transgressive? Oh, can because I... Was, oh, can I was, Can I? Oh, yeah, sure. Because it was selling itself as being transgressive. I, I guess, like, when I look at those trailers, I'm like, oh, someone went and, like, made Blade again, and I'm ready to watch a Blade again. Like, a movie that has, like the trappings of like gory action cinema in a framework that is like typically doesn't support that because of the economics of selling superheroes to kids. Uh, like I'm looking forward to it in that context of like, it's, it looks kind of like a kind of crappy nineties action movie, but in a way that I'm excited about. That's fine. It's not the, that is not a criteria that I am personally interested in. But I, and- I just don't know where like, how so, you feel like it's selling itself as like transgression because like uh, it's like all of its trailers like that it bre- that Deadpool is a character that breaks the fourth wall constantly s- suggests to me that they are using that as a way to askew the f- the framework that most Marvel movies are made in and transgress that framework and yeah, I thought that I, was Deadpool's was, whole thing. Like, that yeah, he's not your guess, grandpappy. I guess to me, thing. like, being postmodern mm. doesn't necessarily mean transgression. Like, transgression's a greater burden of aspiration than to just be, like, self-referential. Especially in the modern era where self-reference is, like, kind of just the way people operate. So, I, I want to jump in here and say that um, I... So, I saw this movie, I think, for better and worse, it is a Deadpool movie uh, in everything that entails... And it is totally just a 90s action movie um, that is uh, R-rated and makes a lot of shitty jokes, and sometimes they're funny. 
and like Blade Two is referenced by name. Like, so you have what you want. <laughs> um, but on, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so they achieve on that level, but I don't ever. Uh, I never assumed it was transgressive. Um, I've seen like comments to that on Twitter, like. Uh, people saying that Deadpool's success proves that audiences want something different with superhero movies but it's it's not it's just like in a world where Guardians of the Galaxy is a Marvel movie De- there's nothing transgressive about Deadpool um, I think you were going for that like I, I really do I know that's what you're saying but I'm saying that I don't think the movie has any ambitions of being transgressive because Deadpool was transgressive maybe in the 90s was it I don't know but Deadpool isn't transgressive now because like all of the movies are self-referential and winky, just but not as explicit. I don't think, but this is the thing. Kyle's saying that the movie was shooting for it, transgression, and failed. That's what Kyle's <laughs> saying, right? Like, yes, yeah. That and that's how the movie was. Like, at least even the character is supposed okay. to be like different. He's different. I, He's I, like, yeah. I don't, but I don't. Fourth wall and I don't believe that what Deadpool represents and what that movie is selling from the trailers is transgression. Is it different? <gasps> Yes. Is it trying to set itself apart? Yes. But, like, transgression implies something much more aware and something that, frankly, like, a big studio like Fox making a superhero movie, like, to expect transgression is to expect something that apparatus is not actually equipped. Like, it's impossible to make that in the office. I think they wanted you to see it. I think they, or they wanted you to, like, see it that way. They wanted you to see it like, this movie's actually, like, not about morals. It's not about, uh, the things that, these Marvel movies have been about. It's is about that, is that guy transgression in a world with like Man of Steel? Like I don't think so. I don't know, but I feel like that's well. I mean, like, isn't Superman supposed to be like he's a hero? He's like a good guy. Except he murdered a ship full of babies. But that, but the movie doesn't make that a. But like that's like your like that's not how the it's framed in the film. It's framed as this like heroic thing. It's I not mean, framed like, as like. Maybe, but that like that's a moot point. In when in three weeks there's a movie explicitly about Superman murdered a ship full of babies. In I don't know. Um, I Deadpool, just... I don't think the tra- so I think the movie attempts to be transgressive, but not in the way the specific ways. I don't think it tries to be like subverting the superhero form. It is that the thing that it wants to do is um, the other side of Deadpool. The actual the actual part it cares more about. Weirdly, is it is a attempt to. Um, uh, engage with what happens when, uh, this basically super conventionally attractive guy loses, uh, this thing, like his body as a thing he can be proud of, cause he goes and gets horribly scarred, and that's the plot of the movie. And that's, that's actually the part where it's trying to be transgressive in this, um, statement on body image and this navigation is of this. It so? No, is that's like, that is a hundred percent its goal, and I think it fails mm. entirely there. Like, that is the goal I, I of the movie. I don't even think that's, uh, I don't know if if I would necessarily agree with that. I could see it on its agenda, but I don't see it as its focal point because it has, like, no cognizance whatsoever. Oh, that, no, 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 no. I don't that, think it succeeds. That, 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 um, it's, that a lot of the wisecracks are just as facile and shallow as he is. Well, that's, that's what I mean, and I think the, the movie attempts to be this, but the way it goes about this is, um, uh, it has a lot of, really harmful and shitty jokes which ordinarily would be harmful and shitty but you'd brush them off because the movie was working towards something different but uh here they directly contradict with this theme of acceptance um that the movie is going towards uh because you know um this the film like i think this says a lot about the what i would say 
broadly about the movie's transgressiveness is it attempts to uh sell some different story about a different uh kind of superhero but its transgression is just a still a skinny hot white dude with a couple scars like that is mm. as as transgressive as the movie is willing to be uh so i i didn't like i i didn't think it was an incompetent movie in terms of telling a to- telling a story but i didn't think it achieved anything it set out to do i wasn't really a big fan i think it's a funny example of i still think it was at least selling itself as transgressive even if that ne- not mm. ne- even if that was not necessarily on its agenda um as as a film i do think it was on its agenda as a as a product to sell to people mm-hmm. um and I, I think it's an interesting example of selling transgression as a way to assimilate into a homogenous framework. I so, think that might have to do with like different audiences, like a familiarity with Deadpool. Yeah, honestly, like, I'm, I don't doubt that some marketer was like, let's sell this as like the cool transgressive superhero. But on us as audiences in 2016, I feel like the onus is on, with us to not expect that or buy that because of course it's not fucking transgressive it's fucking deadpool but yeah but audiences are morons no like you are you your critique was that it's not as transgressive as it was sold as why did you even expect it as transgression when like we know that transgression as a marketing tactic is alive and well in this era like i'm a moron I don't, I think that we should expect audiences to be a little more media literate, ourselves included. I, I, I was genuinely expecting there to be something more, I was of two minds. On the one hand, I knew it wasn't going to be what I, what I hoped it was going to be. I knew that it would not actually be able to askew that framework or subvert it in any meaningful way. But on the other, I held out a little bit of hope that maybe there would be something legitimately interesting done as a way to Burn that entire framework down. There's like a modicum of hope. Did and you like Guardians of the was... Galaxy? No, I thought it was oh. like Star Wars, but everyone was Han Solo. Oh, I loved it, but okay. I do not like these movies in general. Um, I, I the appeal to for the appeal of Deadpool for me was like this weird attempt that I thought they were trying to do, even if it, even if I knew deep in my heart that it probably was not going to su- succeed. And I don't know why I even had that hope. But it's I okay, think, you're allowed. Yeah. Well, I mean, on some level you didn't, because you stressed with great lengths that you didn't go to pay see this, and you didn't want to go see it, and you just ended up there by happenstance. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you hoped Deadpool would be great and were disappointed. You expected garbage. It's garbage. Like to you. Like whether or not that's true or not, who cares? Opinions. But like right. that's how the narrative of your experience with it goes. Yes. Okay. I don't have anything on to that. I just wanted to be clear. But yeah, so who wants to go, go next? I can go next. Ooh. Uh, me and Destiny go just got back from seeing Zootopia which is uh, the newest Walt Disney Animation Studio film, uh, directed by Byron Howard and Rich Moore. It is about Judy Hopps, the first rabbit police officer in the animal town, city of Zootopia. Uh, and it's uh, like about the tensions between prey animals and predator animals in like a world where like we're beyond that now. We've set aside our differences and we live in harmony. And if you think that the idea of police and like... 
Uh, social harmony is a loaded topic in 2016. Uh, you're right. And the movie's aware of that. Uh, I think that a movie that's about the meta, like using metaphors of animals to represent like systemic oppression and bigotry and even like whether or not the government was like involved in like the crack epidemic of the eighties is maybe a little heady and kind of pulls the movie in a lot of directions. But I think by and large, it kind of succeeds in that stuff. Uh, for one, it is never not empathetic to people like put in these situations that they're given to. Like no one is made to be like a, like a clear straw man argument for a certain like political agenda. And uh, on top of that, the movie is incredibly cute and funny, uh, which serves it pretty well. I think uh, this is the kind of movie where like, if you took a kid to it, you could have a good long talk about deep things afterwards. Uh, but it's also just a pretty good time. I liked it a lot. Uh, it, it's, it's better than Frozen. <laughs> it was better than Frozen. Um, I wanted to tack on that, like, um, what did I want to tack on? There was some, like, I don't know, cause like, essentially, it's a smart story of the small town bunny who's very idealistic. And she's flat out told not to try and not to aim big because everybody's afraid for her. And then when she does, you know, become a police officer, she uncovers the thing that kind of causes a further rift in society between the predator animals and the prey animals. And and then she and her friend, who's a fox, um, go and fix it. And I think that like, I didn't catch on to the crack thing because I was too busy being distracted. Like, it was more of a mess thing. Um, the visual representation. I had no is, idea this movie. <laughs> there's a, there's a plot element about a, like, a drug that, like, affects predators and turns them feral, uh, basically. And it's represented clearly as a meth metaphor, but the way it's like, maybe the government's complicit in, like, distributing this drug to people who would cause, like, to oh, no, no, you're the population right. that would cause yeah. people to re- like react negatively and scorn them is entirely like crack eighties. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's just that I'm no, I'm just adding that I did not catch that until afterwards when we talked about it. Um, there's also like I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, there's no clear villain. Like I was really worried that like because there's this whole thing where it's like, well, it's just in their biology to be aggressive they're predator animals and i really like how the movie like addressed that and showed how it's a really shitty way to like pigeonhole someone because i was actually afraid i didn't know where that was gonna go and there's also there's also a surprising amount of like references to interactions between white people and black people like there's a scene where it's like we don't like i can use this word to describe myself but you're not allowed as a different person to use these words or things basically about black hair where, like, this fox is, like, touching the sheep's hair, and it's like, oh, it's all fluffy. It's like, no, you can't touch a sheep's hair without permission. It's, it's not yeah. done. But there's a scene where she calls him articulate. Yeah. She's, she's like, you're an articulate fox. And he's like, and you're not patronizing at all. <laughs> like, it's amazing. Like, I was shocked when, that, like, those scenes happened. Like, I looked at Matt like, wow, this movie's really going there. So uh, that on its face is, like, impressive, even if, like, it's not 100% perfect. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I wouldn't mind seeing it again. I, uh, have a little cousin who was very jealous when I told her I saw it. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd taken you. You would have loved it. But yeah, the, 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 uh, 
scene about the word is like the first scene where yeah somebody calls someone something and they're like i can say that about my species but you can't say that about me and i was just like oh this is that kind of movie it's really really quite great because it's like essentially the message is like we're all different and we all have limitations but we that's what makes us the same and uh it works It, it works um because it doesn't fix the problems like those problems will still that that tension will still exist it's not one of those movies where just because she you know succeeds in her goals it doesn't mean that the actual societal problems it's go not away. fucking how to train your dragon i don't i, I don't know but no, yeah it's absolutely like, not how to train your dragon <laughs> and that's what i liked about it like that's the one thing i will say because like you can like even like they're still kind of making like racist not racist but like the fox and the rabbit are friends and they're making like the equivalent of me, like me and Matt making jokes about the civil war within our interracial relationship. Like it was that, (laughs) like, I don't know. I I don't know. I thought that movie was like, I can't get over how like, and not like aside from the message, Oh, so many cute little background things. Like there's an entire town of rodents. I was squealing the whole movie watching rodents driving little cars. And like, there's just cute, like, there's a scene with, like, there's, like, all sloth characters, and they're all really, really slow, and, oh, it's so, like, the way that it plays on, like, literal animal behavior quirks, so cute. Oh, I couldn't get over it. Well, that's good. I guess I need to go see the Woke Fairy movie. Furry movie. Fuck, I fucked up that the joke. Woke the, woke, the woke furry movie, yes. <laughs> but I fucked up the joke, so we will just have me saying the woke fairy movie. <laughs> Which is a different That's movie, fern I guess. Gully. That's Fern Gully. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was... Uh, like, I didn't know anything about it before we saw it. Matt's just like, oh, it's about this bunny that's the first prey animal that's a cop in her town, and I was like, oh, that sounds really funny. Not expecting it to be like this, like allegorical thing about bigotry and stereotyping. That's good. <laughs> I'm I'm glad of that. It continues, I guess. Disney being better than Pixar. Yep. Yeah. There was a trailer for uh, Finding Dory beforehand, which was pleasant, which is fine. But it's like, why does this exist in a world in which they're making movies like Zootopia? Also, like not relevant here, but there's a trailer for the Little Prince movie, and. It, like, the animation of the Little Prince sections looks great, uh, but the Little Prince is already, like, a really sad book, and they put a bumper story around it that looks even sadder, about, like, this yeah. girl meets this old man who's her friend, and it's clear that he's gonna die at the end of the movie, and I don't oh, know God. why they did this. And they put Bud Court in it, like, I don't know who he plays, but, like, he was Harold and Harold and Maud, which just, like, doubles the... He's still alive? <gasps> Yeah, he didn't go nowhere. He's been he's been doing like little bit parts for like the past fifteen years, uh, especially with Wes Anderson. I guess I'll have to see the heartbreaking Little Prince movie then. I, uh, I probably so will sad. not go see that in a theater. It's it's it seems too much. Oh, and the new Jungle uh, Book looks amazing, in my opinion. My little cousin says it looks creepy, but she doesn't know anything. <laughs> I thought it looks creepy, but I'm glad that it looks good to you. <laughs> I, I got it looked a little creepy, but I'd go see it. <laughs> it made my eyes water. I was like, oh, it looks just like the cartoon, and I don't know why I got so emotional, but I did. <laughs> they got you. They fucking got you. I don't know. Like, there's like a epic, like, 
orchestral version of the bare necessities playing, which sounds like the tackiest, cheesiest thing the in the world. Thing. <laughs> it is the no, no, it, it's wonderful. My heart swelled. Fuck you. That's, that's, <laughs> I don't know why that's the thing now of the foreboding, dramatic versions of nostalgic theme tunes in trailers. It made me so happy. Oh, going back to, are you all familiar with uh, the Fox and the Hound? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. Same here, but, like, wasn't the message of that movie, like, they're too different, they can never be friends, like... Yeah, no, that totally falls apart at the end. Yeah, that movie's a really... This Zootopia is a really nice response to uh, The Fox and the Hound, in my opinion. Cool. Um, Does anyone have another movie? I guess we did two lots of two people seeing a movie, so... um, uh, who is there anything else anyone wants to talk about? Destiny I guess has one to talk about, I think. Okay, Destiny. Destiny. I do? What did I see? What we did saw together. One. We saw uh what did we see? We saw what did I just see with you? you no, know, it was like two weeks ago at this point. The witch. <sighs> yes. Oh, sorry, I talked about the witch. We recorded something recently, me and Bad Maria. Yeah, yeah, where we talked about it. So, oh, it was great. It was wonderful. Uh, it was, uh, one of my, probably my favorite movie of the year so far. It, all I two don't know. Of them. All, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I guess I've seen three movies this year. I don't know where you've been. Okay. Well, four actually, including this movie, but, uh, yeah, no, it, it was, uh, really, really, really creepy. Um, sometimes I couldn't understand what the characters were saying because the dialogue is so authentic and the accents are so thick, uh, that, you know, you'd lose the plot a little, but, uh, aside from that, like, that actually made me appreciate the movie more because it's obviously, like, extensively researched and the setting is 100 years before the Salem Witch Trials, uh, but you've got this family, they moved from England to, uh, you know the new world and they uh get kicked out of their plantation because uh the people there don't like the way the dad's preaching and it's essentially like a dysfunctional family story set in the spooky ass woods with like these supernatural things going on and you and everybody kind of turns on one another and it's it's really really good <laughs> um the thing that i really liked about the movie and why I bring it up in this context is one of our earlier episodes was about Antichrist. And I feel like this is a movie that ends up covering a lot of the same thematic grounds where Antichrist was like intellectualism and psychiatry don't actually assuage like a fear of death that drives people to like commit horrible thing, horrible acts. Uh, the witch kind of falls on the other side where like faith and like the bonds of blood also can't save you if you allow that stuff to like gnaw away at your sense of self and your morals the way that it like allows uh this family to not just deteriorate spiritually through like you know a fundamentalist christianity but also deteriorate through just the machinations of a family like the small petty little slights add up and cause people in this movie to snowball into committing horrible acts uh feels well at home with antichrist the two would make a very depressing but very thematically consistent double feature. That's cool. Because um, it was that recommendation that was like, I guess I'll see it at home maybe at some point. Because I'm way too much of a baby to go see it in the cinema. But I'll go for some... 
overwhelming existential horror, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't call it. Like, I don't think it's like a particularly scary movie in the way that like horror movies are scary. Oh no, I'm an existential horror. In I know, the but I'm just saying to assuage sense. your fears. Like, yeah, no, no, don't go yeah. see it in a theater. But I think you'd be all right at home. It's really great. Like, I loved it. Like, it's it's very, it, it's effective. Mm-hmm. I wish I liked it. Oh, why didn't you like oh, no. it? What? Um, on the one hand, it was one of the worst theater experiences I've ever had because a oh, bunch of drunk frat pros were yelling at the screen. <gasps> almost no! The or at least, like, talking very loudly. That's horrible! Oh, yeah. I hate that! But, like, all the puzzle pieces there are, for, for me to love this film, are there, are present. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm super fascinated with all these various ideas about, um, about ideological oppression or our ideological systems uh, being arbiters of oppression of the the cinematography is really really gorgeous and yet i found it kind of dramatically inert like that's i was okay. a, little, a little bored by it that's and, and that's fine like i don't think there's really an argument to be had cuz it's it's like it is a slow movie it's not for everyone like i i wouldn't i don't know like i feel like you're problems with it are a little more thoughtful than some of the things I've been hearing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love uh, slow burn horror movies, but I don't know what it was. There are, like, there are tons of elements that I really like about it, and I would definitely recommend it to people. But for me, there was something, there was a, one missing piece, and I, I don't know why. I love that. Right. I once, I jokingly sexted a friend who's like, what's thou like to live deliciously? <laughs> Yeah, that's something, like, I, I've been quoting to friends, like, ever since I saw it. Can't get enough of that ridiculous movie. Oh, so good. So good! Cool. Um, the one movie I wanted to talk about, uh, just briefly, I guess, uh, is I saw Collateral weeks ago now, uh, but finally saw that, and that, I just wanted to say how great that movie is. I was shocked at how good it was for some reason. I expected just like cool little action movie to uh, waste an evening on, um, but no, it was amazing. It was like, oh damn, love it when a movie's just great. Uh, <laughs> I was like thinking about the movie for like days afterwards because it was a cool time. Uh, so yeah, just wanted to note that being a cool film to see, um, and I guess we can go into. This month's movie club now. Uh, this was M's choice. It was indeed. Uh, this was Ghost in the Shell, uh, the 1995 movie, uh, directed by, uh, Mamoru Oshii about the future and cyborgs and Major Matoko Kusanagi and the, uh, Section 9 police unit and, uh, it's, Talking about what this movie's about is weird because, like, what it's about are long painting shots of neon signs arcing up into the heavens as people longingly look out of windows, and it's great. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how to talk about a movie that to me is so much about, like, tone. Um, like, I could talk about the plot, but, like, it's not what I'm here for, really, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I really like Ghost of the Shell. Uh, as a kid, when I saw it, I thought it was kind of boring. Not a kid. I was probably about as old as Jackson. I was like early 20s. I thought it was really boring and talky. Uh, I'm glad that my tastes have improved since then. 
Um, yeah, who else wants to go in the Ghost in the Shell talk? Kick this off. I want to hear what Kyle thought. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way of getting out of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I just, I feel like I talk after Matt all the time because we watch everything oh. together. So, like, I don't want it to be like a weird pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle, what did you think of Ghost in the Shell? I loved it. I was not expecting to love it for some reason. I don't know. I have become some somehow weirdly... Uh, I've developed like this disposition against Japanese animated films for some reason, because like I made a lot of people who... Ruin it for you? <laughs> yeah, they ruin it Apologies for me. Apologies for the nuts. Because they're like... They, they immediately, when they say that... It, when they learn that I like movies, they're like, oh, do you like anime? It's like, I don't watch that much beyond, like, Satoshi Kon or anything. And then a lot of people who, like, hit on me say weird things about anime to me. Oh, so, no. Oh, that's, yeah. that's a shocker. <laughs> I mean, that's... Oh, I, I want to punch everyone. Yeah. But anyways, um, I loved this. I thought it was really fascinating... In the way, not only thematically, but in the way stylistically, it bounced these long silences and these, this, these huge vistas of city life that is both kind of run down, but also like very evident that it's, um, that this is a city that's run by capitalism. I thought that like the, um, the painted backdrops were gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I like how it balanced these long silences against these really great action set pieces. Yeah. And, um, of I'm course, pretty- the navigation of identity is up my alley. Um, I'm pretty much the same. I, I don't know how much to say here, because I went and watched this movie, its sequel, and started Standalone Complex, which is the anime series based on uh, the original manga, I think. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, there's a bunch of different things, um, different Ghost in the Shell uh <laughs> adaptations and uh that that just seem to be covering the same ground um in different ways it's actually really interesting how they approach the source material which i haven't seen you, myself but what do you like the most at the moment my favorite of them is ghost in the shell 2 which is the uh uh it's a, also a Mamoru Oshii film uh so it's the like sequel um, okay uh, whereas Sandalone Complex is a completely different thing. Well, I'll talk about that later. But on the original Ghost in the Shell movie, I saw it when I was a little younger as well. I saw it when I was about 13. I thought it was, um, um like really amazing. I was like, yeah, this is the best. This is the best movie. Um, but I kind of forgot about it as I got over, because it got over, got older. And I revisited it this time and liked it both a lot more and a lot less. And I didn't find its themes as revolutionary or anything. Like I didn't think <laughs> having now, uh, watch more things and seen more anime uh it's treading very um what has i feel become generic ground uh that but probably wasn't at the time to the same extent uh in its uh discussions of identity and the way it goes about uh this plots and having you know the um ending the the con what is humanity what is self and everything um uh, but I really liked, uh, I way more appreciated the film as a tonal piece. Uh, I way more appreciated the, like, shots of the city, the shots of, uh, uh, the major when she's going swimming. Um, anytime you get to see Bateau's eyes. Um, just a brilliant, uh, work of pacing and tone. Uh, 
that can, it's a movie that can stop for a three and a half minute long, just music video of shots of its city and work. I'm like, that is one of the most enrapturing sequences in the film. Uh, and yeah, so I, I, I loved it, but for very different reasons than I did as a child. I think, I think what's interesting is how cynical and how melancholy it is. Um, like it's really sad. I think it is very, very sad. Um, how empty that this world feels despite the fact that it is filled to the brim with information and with bodies and yet those bodies are empty and that may be like derivative I guess to you Jackson because I don't really watch that much anime Mm -hmm. but it was very interesting to me uh, it's it's not it's not uninteresting. I just mean uh, that being more not and not just in anime, just having seen more things. That's not a unique idea to this um, well, movie. Is it's, what I meant. it's worth mentioning. Like this is ninety five. Like this is pre the Matrix. Yeah. Any yep. of that stuff. But like we live in a time now where like the ideas of how like does information take on a life of its own, like as a bodied thing or how much do corporations own our physical forms? Like those are non-trivial questions that people talk about every day. Uh, So what was a heady sci-fi film like 21 years later feels almost like just an initial foray into a conversation that everyone's already kind of well-versed in. Like I remember Mm -hmm. this movie being one of those like, Oh, it's so deep and like trippy and how far it goes. And no, we're, we live in the Ghost in the Shell universe, basically, at this point. Like, it's not as extreme. Obviously, yeah. no one has a cybernetic body, but we're not far off. And I was... Um, oh, did Kyle go? I was wondering... I thought another interesting aspect of this film was this idea that um, the internet or that information could intend, could eventually obscure one's identity as a whole, and could, that, that identity would no longer be a thing, no longer be something to be explored. Well, it's because the movie posits like kind of like a, uh, a a very conservative view of identity and like a very techno progressive one where uh, they talk about the idea where, oh, you would how if if bodies feel like people and if like the Internet feels like people, then how can we ever value ourselves as individuals? But I think the final answer of the movie or like of the puppet master that they talk about is that the answer is not that it devalues humanity, but that it expands the horizons of what we could consider a sentient individual. And like, that's kind of the like transhumanist ideal, right? Like maybe that ends up going like darkly and maybe there's like a real bad side to that with capitalism and all of that. But on some level that dream is about, not about like, feeling lost but in finding a broader horizon with which you recognize more things that are that feel human the movie i think makes this clearest in its opening text crawl uh which i really appreciate how it frames itself uh, it, i can't remember the exact wording but it is it says in a time before society has become completely cybernetic. So it like begins with this statement that a progression to the point where the lines are completely invisible is inevitable. So, and then zooms in on this middle period in which the, like the lines have been blurred and no one really knows where they are. And they're trying to situate themselves. Um, I think the exploration of this idea is 
uh, like I appreciate that more having seen all the other stuff. I recommend everyone uh, go check them out if they have time. Uh, the sequel focuses like uh, the major isn't in the sequel um, because you know the stuff that happens at the end of the movie. Uh, so it entirely focuses on uh, Bato and Togusa afterwards being left behind, like knowing that they are people in a world that is has already outstripped them and what does that mean and how lonely and isolating an existence it is to be in this world that is rapidly outpacing you um and uh the anime standalone complex uh situates it as a procedural a cyberpunk procedural which is entirely about um like weird uh bureaucratic conflicts and dives into how the inevitable uh, version of this is how capitalism ruins everything. Like, there's a bunch of problems that are basically about, oh, we can't do this because this person owns this and this person owns this and it's all that side of it. So, as a whole, and I assume, um, I'd like to read the original uh, manga one day myself as well, as a whole, like, they all form uh, a like big uh, exploration of this idea from different angles. Oh. What are your guys in the shell fields? I thought it was fabulous. I loved the, I loved it to pieces. Like, I don't even know what to say. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I knew that it was a heady sci-fi film, and I knew it was uh, one of those cyberpunk films that all the kids are crazy about these days, or at least they used to be. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, no, I... I don't know, just everything, it's so funny because when I was younger, I was so afraid of robots, and I was so afraid of the idea of sort of the transhumanist thing, the idea of having, like, robot appendages or stuff implanted in you by science, but, like, yeah, no, it's, like, no different than, it's it's just, like, a natural progression of us as a species, and, yeah, like, when that comes up against corporate interests and stuff, like we really are going to have really weird problems, very similar to some of the problems in this film. And it's, it's, I, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I, I don't know what to say. Like, I just really liked it. It, it, uh, it's, it's nice to have grown out of my fear into more of an open-minded place I would love to find more movies like it. I, I just, I don't know. Like, it's really hard uh, when you like a movie to talk. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, I, I just, it was so good. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I'm glad everyone liked it because it was good. Oh. <laughs> what if I was like, it was boring. I hated it. It made me sad. And it was like, would you just be like, I'd be like, oh, it's really <laughs> awkward that this podcast would be notable for me dumping you. Um, oh, it was yeah. I'm afraid I'm, that movie's gonna happen. There's gonna be I'm that sorry, movie. Destiny, but I have to dump you. My robot future robot body is too important. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know. M has priorities, and I respect them. <laughs> I'm gonna get those spider fingers. Oh no, that made me like so uncomfortable. <laughs> that was the uh, worst. Um, there is. <laughs> Very prominently in the second movie, in the very start, uh, a woman who like opens up her face to reveal like more cyber eyes around her eyes. So no, nope. me, me and Destiny went to watch the second movie, but uh, there was a problem with the subtitles and we were not able to. Uh, so <sighs> I, we're going to, but not in time for this podcast. Yeah, no, I won't talk about it too much because um, 
Yeah, I was hoping. We, I will say see this. the second movie is one of the ugliest juxtapositions against the first movie I've ever seen. Yeah, it's okay. really ugly. It's not. It's it's got that bad um, early look, aughts computer animation. Doesn't look that bad when you get into it. Like it's yeah, but like really so many of the backgrounds right at the beginning that. are CG. No, no, and then no. It, yeah. It has that thing that anime of that era does where everything's overlit, and so it's just the harshest highlights on everybody. And that's kind of to hide that the character models are, like, really simple and the animation's not particularly great. Uh, there's not a lot of in-betweens in those kind of shows or movies. Uh, uh, but it's a shame because the first movie is so lush. Yeah, and it's clear that, like, Production IG's embracing of CG... Uh, <laughs> made their their stuff look a lot worse because i don't know if people listening know this but ghost in the shell had a re-release in 2008 called ghost in the shell 2.0 where they fucking special editioned it and replaced a bunch of that animation with computer generation also they reshaded the movie to be orange rather than the like greeny blue uh they reshaded it to look like the shade that innocence is yeah, it's a real shame. And it's, it's the ugly. worst looking it's, movie. Uh, oh, Matt God. Showed, Matt showed me the, um, like a side by side comparison of the opening, and it yeah. was just so, so disappointing. With, I like, couldn't believe it. The CG major jumping off the edge? Oh, uh, it yeah. just, it just didn't look good. It's upsetting. It's upsetting. It looks tacky. It looks dated even in context. Like, just, no, no, no color. Nothing, um, there, there's just an artlessness to it that disappoints me, so. Mm-hmm. And it's really a shame, because the movie's whole appeal, I think it gets there later, but it definitely has a lot of, um, that stuff. But, like, the, the between them, the movie's whole appeal is mostly, uh, tonal and visual. Like, the, you watch the first movie to have it be poured into your eyes. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Uh, does anyone have any more? takes on Ghost in the Shell. How do we feel about the remake casting Scarlett Johansson as Matoko? It's disappointing. It's the absolute fucking worst. It just doesn't make sense. Like I th- so I actually have a specific I mean Destiny can go. Uh, no, I just don't think it makes sense. Like it's clearly Japanese and it's just one of those things where it's like we're more interested in selling our white actress than like honoring, you know, just the fact that this is a Japanese thing. Mm-hmm. Uh so I feel like there is a way you could not with that specific casting, but there is a way that they could have done this better if uh so a uh, Ghost in the Show is so specific about its context and it's basing its city off Hong Kong and uh, like that is a deliberate choice in the way it is presenting its city, and if you're remaking Ghost in the Shell for a um, uh, worldwide or I guess an American audience in this case, and like that is part and parcel with what you are doing, and you have to change that, then why didn't they um, actually set it in a different context culturally and choose a different city? Because it's not like there are. Well. A, bunch of like places in america and in the west where you could look at the same ideas and approach um looking at like the way our urban environments represent this change in culture and uh you can do that in a bunch of places i think uh like you could easily have um actually culturally translated that movie to 
a Western setting without it being super gross, but you would need to be really aware about what I mean, you were doing. That, well, the movie like, hasn't that even come out in a movie like Ex Machina, which basically that's has what I mean. Things of this, yeah, uh, and it totally does that in situating it in a Silicon Valley style, um, like well, we don't outpost. know that it hasn't been re-situated. I mean, she is playing uh, the major, like she is not playing, like is still um, banking on that like Japanese fetishism of it's like that property. Uh, which is the grossest possible way they can do that. So, I, like, I'm not... That's, I'm also, not, it's like, just buying into the can't cast a minority because nobody will see it, which has been proven yep. to be untrue over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who's even making that? What is that? Uh, who's directing that? Robert Sanders? Who, what did he do? Oh, he did Snow White and the Huntsman. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it is an obvious joint, go, so you know it's full of bad choices. <laughs> oh, good. So that's going to be bad. Um, but it's okay. There's already about 50 different versions of Ghost in the Shell that you can already watch. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it, it'll, it's a drop in the bucket in the end. Maybe somebody will do a better one in the future. There's just released on Blu-ray this week, uh, this like month or something, was Ghost in the Shell, the new movie. Oh my gosh. Which is, I think, a remake of the Ghost in the Shell set directly after the Arise movies, which are anim- uh, manga adaptations slash prequels. I don't know. Uh, I haven't got there yet in my Ghost in the Shell crawl. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think that's it. Is that, is that it? Yeah, oh. is that it? Are we not going to do the theme thing where we talk about other related... Uh- uh, I mean, oh, we can or... have a big anime talk, I guess, for five minutes, but, like, uh, who, I don't know where we'd go with that, like. Or cyberpunk, cyberpunk, identity, right. and. Yeah, Ex Machina was a good yeah, jumping a good Yeah. Like, that movie, uh, was awesome. Did everybody here see that? We watched it for clips. We did it in that cost. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't sleep anymore. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that that that's a good jumping off point. I I I don't know. Like, I listened to a podcast where they were talking about cyberpunk in great detail, and the movie Hackers kept coming up, and it's so funny because for all the things it gets wrong, like, uh, there's still this idea that like there's something cool and sexy about being like the technological person that like changes the world and we still haven't quite gotten there society like as a society huh <laughs> there's also uh, such delightful films as surrogates the bruce willis movie that actually is like one of the like actual interesting plot points of that movie is what it's like to be the one person who's like physically bodied in a world where everyone is just a disposable robot and like how Ooh. terrifying that is when everyone doesn't value like self-preservation and you're like the one individual who like can die and that like there's harm incurred from that. Uh, do they do literally anything with that? No, the movie's terrible. Uh, okay. <laughs> but I it honestly is, uh, cut- Sorry. There, there's there's you know there's if you are sick on like a weekend and have nothing better to do, you could put on surrogates. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot better to do, so None of that stopped me from watching. And yeah, I've seen garbage. your Twitter feed. Right. <laughs> Look. You can do what you want. You can You're do what you grown want. Grown up. Um, 
this I, this film actually reminded me a lot of Blade Runner, but I like this more than I like Blade Runner. I love Blade Runner. I think it's beautiful. I need to rewatch Blade Runner because I haven't seen it since high school, but I did not love Blade Runner. Definitely it. rewatch it as adult you, as opposed to like. I mean, I know you're not that far removed from high school, but like you know, your movie tastes are you know expanding every day. I, I would revisit. I would revisit. I, even if you don't like it the second time around, I think it's worth revisiting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, do I have any cyberpunky type things? I don't know. I know I've seen some because I'm uh, alive in 2016. Uh, but I can't like. I feel like all the be- main beats have been hit throughout this podcast. Um, Just drawing complete blanks on. Would you? Because uh, this is something Matt and I talk about a lot, to the surprise of no one. But would you uh-huh. augment your body, like, and how? Can we go around? Are people interested in talking about that? I would become an entirely robot body, so I'd never die. Like, done. Yep, same. Like, Cha-ching. but what would you do specifically? Like, just, I don't like, care what form I'm in. Specific? Oh, you don't have any. You're just like no, I'm I, for it. No, I will totally what. take the majors, <laughs> couple brain cells in a robot body. That who cares? What do you want the robot body to look like? Do you want it to look like he human? Do you want it to be metallic? Do you want it to... I have, well, the benefit of there is that you could pick whatever you want at any given time, right? That's like, a good point. Once my brain... Like, I am concerned with the brain being transferable away from this flesh prison. Uh, and once that is achieved, <laughs> uh, then you can go, uh, go nuts. Because <laughs> the problem's been solved. <laughs> Um, the only way I'd augment my body is that I would have like some sort of memory trip, memory chip in my brain, because I feel like I forget a lot of things, and then I could just not forget things. Like I have mild face blindness, so I feel like I have no object permanence, and I feel like there's some sort of manipulation one can one can do to fix that. Okay, and, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, I. However, I would like. I would also like the option to replay memories but you have to have like a secret code and I do not have that secret code but a friend of mine does um, <laughs> because I know that I would being my neurotic self I would abuse that a lot because replay I, your memories Yeah, I always me do that too. before bed anyway so. me too me too definitely oh god I would get new legs like just cause mine are, I have cerebral palsy and they don't they hurt it hurts to walk so I would get new knees, new feet. Um, I would, um, I don't know. I guess I'd get better eyesight, something in there. I want that Matrix thing where you just tap into a program and then you just know Kung Fu and languages. I think that's cool as heck. Like the idea of just being like, instead of reading a bunch of books and taking up all this time, you just upload them to your brain and you just, you know them. I think I would only want that like with, that. like, motor skills. I want um, that with languages and... Yeah, like, languages... Instruments and... Languages, <laughs> instruments and stuff, I would be into that. But I don't... I don't know, I feel like I couldn't... I wouldn't want that for actual information. Um, for everything. <laughs> I just want to just d- Im- upload everything to your brain right now. Let's go. I just want to know it all. Like <laughs> Lucy, but without the part where, you know... Bad stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Lucy ends up alright. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, I just want the Lucy brain. I don't wanna, I still want to be 
one with like humanity though. I don't want to lose my humanity. You don't want to become a USB stick. Nope. I would happily become a USB stick. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like I love people too much, and I I have too much of a a heart to be a totally cold robot. <laughs> Well, I think that is a podcast. Good discussions all around. Uh, before the plugs, let's do the movie for next month. Just saying ahead of time that I am aware of what's going on, because you know how that's gone in the past. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? And, uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so... Uh, we're doing something a little different next month in that we'll be having a guest on. We don't quite know who yet. We're going to go looking out for someone. Um, and we will announce that on, uh, Twitter when we have someone because M is taking a break from this discourse because we are talking about Gone Girl. I will provide a prepared statement for Destiny <laughs> Reed. <laughs> That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Wait, does that mean you're writing about movies again? <laughs> I guess technically it is <laughs> informally. Okay. That's, yep, there you go. But no, um, Gone Girl has come up a few times on this podcast as a tension point between me and Kyle. Uh, it's been a while. It's been long enough since I've seen it that I would actually feel like I would gain something from revisiting it. Uh, and I'd like to have the talk about what that movie is. But I want to have someone else on, um, to round out the four and, uh, have a look at that movie. So. That's going to be Ides of April. Um, but for now, before we go, let's just do the plugs. Destiny, where can we find you on the internet? At Fridge was now on Twitter.com and then BerlinGirls.com for pop culture casting. Uh, in a couple of weeks, you'll hear us talk about why horror movies are still good and why we both love The Witch so much. So if you want more of that that you had here, a taste of that, get even more of it at Ballin Girls. Um, Kyle, where can we find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Tyle Kerner, T-Y-L-E-K-U-R-N-E-R. And I ride around on the internet about movies, usually. Um, and you can find my work at tilekerner.tumblr.com. Be on the lookout, I think. I hope I'm not shooting myself in the foot with this. So knock on wood. I've already signed the contract, so I, I feel like it's okay. But <laughs> be on the lookout. I think something fun uh, to read this week by me about the Criterion Collection. Cool. Cool. Uh, where can we find you, M? Where can we find you, M? Ha! Huh, you know what? My mic was muted. Good job, me. I was going to say, on the other <laughs> end of a mute button. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going into the spiel. You can find me on Twitter at uh, EM underscore being, and you can find me, Jackson Destiny, on our video game podcast, Abnormal Mapping, uh, on iTunes or AbnormalMapping.com. That's monthly. It's great. Please listen. Uh, yeah. You can... Uh, that's where you can find me as well. Uh, you can also find me at HeadfulsOff.com. Uh, abnormal Mapping plug, if you want to hear... Um, uh, a podcast about pretty much something that is very similar to Ghost in the Shell in being about a lot of things that became relevant in the decades afterwards, go listen to the Metal Gear Solid 2 podcast that came out last month. I talked to Heather Alexander about that game. Uh, that's in the series that's going on, but no. And No Mapping, good podcast. Check it out. 
Ah, so yeah, we did it. That's it. Let's end this and go home. Memes, the DNA of the soul. <laughs> the dinner, the dinner of the soul. <laughs> a character in uh, Zootopia would say, "It's in his dinner." <laughs>